Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 146. I'm Killian Vina. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. Kicking off season four straight from the convention center in Dublin as we attend the Salon Owners Summit 2020, Europe's largest and most prestigious industry event of the year. This week's episode will feature loads of exclusive content, including interviews with some of our main stage speakers. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. Fresh new star. As we've already mentioned, we've got a new tune to the to the Forest FM episode. I hope people like it. Let us know what you think. But we're kicking it off today live at the Salon Owner Summit, Europe's, as you just said, most prestigious summit. And I have to say, it's actually, even though it is half nine in the morning, it was the perfect time to start recording this because they've just started uh, the summit inside and they've kicked it off with a lovely uh, queen sing-along. So everyone in there is already ramped up. There was a couple of Instagram lives pinging on our phone and I don't know, I just feel buzzed about this today. Oh yeah, like every year. I, I just I just love it, yeah. And um, we're going to actually tune in to Marcus Allen's talk. He's the first one to be on the main stage and then following that will be Pamela Laird and so so uh, then we'll go into like a workshop rotation and all of that. So a full day of learning really t- this year. There's loads of speakers. I think it's the one of the year with the most speakers. Yeah, it's a slightly different uh, setup this year. I think we have six speakers. I'm just doing that off the top of my head. Uh, we definitely have more speakers than before. But one of the best bits is, is we've got the workshop and we've got the growth hub, which means that you're not just sitting down listening to speakers all day. You have, what, maybe an hour and a half? Is it an hour and a half, two hours sitting down listening to speakers? Then you get to get up, move around. There's engaging sessions going on. So it's almost like a workout today. Yeah, I think people are going to really enjoy that drink at the end of the day, that after party, that legendary after party. Absolutely. Well, there's still a long way to go. It's still morning. Haven't got my coffee and I've just heard Ronan finishing off his opening remarks. Sorry. So I think I'm going to go pop my head in, catch a few speakers and then we'll rendezvous a bit later. They say uh, in your career, you should work for three types of businesses. You should work for a startup, you should work for a small business and you should work for a corporation because each one gives you a value of information that you can work with. When's the last time you took time out of your business to just simply just talk about your business? Make sure things happen. Measure everything. Focus on what it is you want to change or the challenges you have. You want to sit with the people that make the biggest difference to your business and you want to ask the toughest questions. So we're just back from the main stage listening to Marcus Allen's talk, Pamela Laird's talk as well. And on that note, actually, Killian has just gone over to the green room. We're going to be able to interview Pamela here on the podcast, on the show. And right after that interview, we'll be chatting to Jamie Dana. So stay tuned for that. We're really excited to get more insights from both these speakers. So we're joined by Pamela Laird, the CEO and founder of cosmetic company Moxie Loves. First off, congratulations on your talk up there. It was really good. We were actually, I was kind of sick and we weren't recording already because we were just kind of chatting about it, how it was just so humble seeing or you being humble on stage and not someone who's a professional keynote speaker that does this day in, day out. It was just really relaxed and kind of, it was easy going. It was great. It was a great story as well that you had. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it because, yeah, I didn't. I was terrified. Yeah. Um, of course, it's my story, but yeah, I, I really didn't want it to be overly staged and controlled. I thought I'd just look, tell my story and hopefully people can find elements of it that they can relate to. But even just watching when you were being introduced at the start, I could see you blushing like you weren't <laughs> even up on stage yet. And that just instantly was like, this is going to be good. 
Yeah, I was yeah. mortified with that introduction. I was like, is this about me? This sounds too good. I better leave now. I'll disappoint everyone. <laughs> Which is funny because it kind of brings on then to the point and I was kind of sick because I had this question wrote and then someone asked it right at the end. I was like, oh, do I have to change this question? But I really liked it. You started it off with a stat about imposter syndrome. And when I saw the stat, the stat was 70% and you're looking at it going, wow, that's really high. But at the same time, I'm also kind of thinking... I'm surprised it's not higher mm -hmm. because like, I know for sure I've gone through it. A lot of people I've talked to have gone through it, but it was, it was different seeing you talk about it because not only were, are you the CEO of Moxie Loves, you've been on the Dragon's Den, set, like pitching for investment in your mm -hmm. company, which you refused in the end. But then you were also on The Apprentice UK, which was essentially pitching yourself to be hired as Sir or as Lord Alan Sugar's um, apprentice. Which did you find more challenging, selling your brand to build a company or self-promoting yourself? I think for sure being on The Apprentice was the hardest thing I've ever done. I mm. normally am really comfortable standing behind my business and putting it in front of me and saying, this is what I can do, this is what I've done, here is the story. Being without my story and without my shield of my business for you know 10 weeks on The Apprentice was so tough because it's really not what I'm used to and Lord Sugar did give me a bit of a bashing throughout the you know the boardrooms of saying I don't see much from you you know you don't say much and yes actually I personally don't like to shout about successes I'm quietly confident but actually it really taught me that you really don't there's no award for modesty in business you know if you're an employee and this is probably why because I've always worked for myself you know, if you work in a big company, if you don't tell your boss what you've done, you don't get the promotion. You, you know, yeah. if you don't sing about your success, you don't get anything. And so being involved in The Apprentice did teach me that lesson that you have to say what you've done because Lord Sugar is in a boardroom. He doesn't get to see you all of the time. So this is your moment. And actually, there are plenty of moments in business like that where you should sing about your success and not be so modest because you're not going to gain anything from that. So even when you're like, when you're in that room and everyone's fighting for survival, you're genuine, that's genuine fight for survival, yeah. is it? Everyone's just like, not shouting and yelling, but it's like, you just wouldn't expect that that is kind of how you have to act, is it? Totally, you have yeah. to adapt to that. And I suppose I never really gave anybody else any shade. I always tried to say, well, this is my success. And I think that's probably staying true to myself in that sense. Obviously you have to sing about what you've done and shout about it, but you don't have to step on anybody else to do that. And I definitely stayed true to myself throughout the process by not, I suppose, putting people down to get ahead. That just was never my style. I just don't think it, it builds character. I don't think it's, it's good in business because you never know who you're going to meet again. And that is business. You know, you can see someone today and meet them in 10 years and they're, you know, the buyer in boots and, you know, you're relying on them. So you have to just make sure that you respect everybody. So is it fair to say that even though you were doing a phenomenal job throughout The Apprentice from the start right through to the final three, if you're not telling people what you're doing, it's kind of wasted energy nearly. Absolutely. And I sort of realised that maybe around week four that yeah. I had done all these great things but because I hadn't been shouting about it he was really confused about how I was still there and I was confused about why he was confused yeah, well, yeah. I've gotten on with everyone I've done really good like what you know but actually that's your moment what have you done this is a boardroom you better tell me or you may as well have done nothing and I totally understood where he was coming from and I definitely adapted my personality to like fit the apprentice mould basically and tried to be more open what would you say then is your biggest takeaway from, I suppose, 
from The Apprentice or you could take it from Pigeon to the Dragon's Den, mm-hmm. uh, any of those two TV shows, what would you say is your biggest takeaway or learning curve? For sure, The the Apprentice, you're a bit more exposed. You know, mm. you're doing, you know, you might be running a tour in South Africa, you're selling a toy, you're making <laughs> an ice lolly. Like there are ways that you adapt your skills that you maybe thought, oh God, I can't do this. And you can. Your business skills are transferable. That's what that taught me. But I think... I learned a lot about teamwork, being a solo entrepreneur, being an only child. You're sort of closed off to thinking you know everything and you can do everything. And actually some people are good at the, what they do as well. Yeah. So it really gave me this urge to grow my team because I saw what can be done when great minds get together. And it really inspired me to make sure I get a business partner on board who's aligned with my thinking and then in turn grow the team. And that's how I really see scaling. At, at the start of my business, I thought more products is going to scale us. But actually, no, it's people. And that's what Moxie Loves is missing right now is a, is a team. So considering that you've gone through that experience of imposter syndrome, and it's probably safe to say the apprentice knocked that right out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you have for someone else that wants to get started in the beauty industry, not just setting up a salon, even uh, maybe creating their own beauty line that does feel like they're not good enough. What advice would you have for them? I mean, it's a really tough feeling because I still feel it, you know, Mm. and it definitely, I feel it more in the business end of my business than I do in the day-to-day running or the creation of products. Like that's where I'm so comfortable. And I think, I think the, the advice is you really have to go for it. And I do have that mantra, feel the fear and do it anyway. And it's absolutely what you have to have as an entrepreneur. Like mm. the more scared you are, probably the higher risk it is, but the higher the reward is going to be. Um, and the number one question I get asked all the time is like, where do you start? You have to start everywhere. There's no one point to start your your own cosmetics brand or whatever you might be doing. You have to start everywhere. It's the name, it's the packaging, it's the product. No place is the right place doing one step is going to get the ball rolling and that's the biggest advice start anywhere that you can there's too much to do to have one point exactly yeah. and it, i don't even remember what i did first genuinely like i was doing the name i was doing the packaging i was already doing the formula like i don't even know what came first it literally rolled into one because one thing inspires the other you know if you've no name and you're trying to like make a brand and you're thinking oh i'm not really inspired you know the name might inspire you the packaging the color you know whatever it might be you just have to get the ball rolling Well, that's fantastic, Pamela. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. And thanks for being here as well today. Thanks for having me. Joining us for our next uh, interview is Jamie Dana, who many of you would know through Instagram. Jamie's a hairstylist and an educator focused on building a community full of like-minded individuals, but also specializes in teaching hair and beauty professionals how to use Instagram to grow their businesses. And I was just in um, the conference there and, and listening to the talk, and it was absolutely amazing. And I remember actually seeing Jamie in LA, so it's great to see you again uh, this year at the Salon Owner Summit. How are you enjoying Dublin so far? How's today's experience? Yeah, we're (laughs) loving it. So we've actually been in Ireland for a couple of days now. It's our first time in Ireland and we're just having so much fun just wandering around and seeing all the different places. So yeah, it's been so fun. And how's today going for you so far? So good. I just got done speaking and uh, I think it was good. I made the people laugh a couple of times. So that's always a good thing. (laughs) But yeah, it's going good. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, the first thing I want to get into is going to bring you back three years at uh, LBP Ideologue because that's when I first heard... uh, your name. Okay. So I wasn't there myself, but okay. there was a few people from Forest at that event and you talked about a positivity formula. Mm. What exactly does that entail? Yeah. So that it brings me back so much. I was actually one of the first times that I spoke on a bigger stage and it was one of my goals that year to speak at Idealogue. And so I felt so grateful that I had the opportunity to do that. But basically I kind of shared a little bit of my story and 
kind of the journey that I had taken through the salon industry up until that point. And I shared basically at the time how I had worked in a negative salon environment and just the things that kind of went, I went through at that time and how that not only shaped my career, but how we can turn those things and turn it into like a positivity um, movement. And so, yeah, just kind of shared a little bit about my story and just some of the things that not only shaped me now, but one of the things that has allowed me to be able to connect with other stylists and salon owners in that kind of way. So yeah, I shared about like turning negative things into positive things and how just one comment, one piece of encouragement, what, whatever, um, can really turn somebody's career around. And so, yeah, I shared a couple stories about that. I wish I was there, honestly. Oh, it was so good. And it <laughs> was funny. I saw from YouTube. Oh, there we go. I was going to say, I have it on my YouTube channel. <laughs> um, but it's funny that that talk was only allowed to be 14 minutes. And so I had to like cram it in. It was basically like TED Talk style. Yeah. So um, I had to cram it in in 14 minutes and really select which pieces because I can get long winded. I actually went over today so I can get long winded. <laughs> um, but it was it was a really it was a good exercise for me, but also really cool just to be able to share part of my story and be able to relate to people in that kind of way, because I think so often we hear the positive side of people's stories and their successes and all the amazing things that happened. And sometimes it's hard to relate to. So being able to share some of maybe the not so great things that have happened, but how it shaped me and how I can relate to other people who are maybe going through that themselves. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, speaking of that, you were just showing uh, pictures of like your initial Instagram. Yeah. Started yeah. Like, I loved the photos of like taking clients through the, the through the mirror. That, that was like my classic <laughs> look. Oh, man. So for those of you guys who didn't see it, I used to sit my client in the chair and take a photo through the mirror, like of the back of their head and their face would be like in the reflection. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. I was like, oh, I'm getting the back and the front. Like, here we go. It was it was my move back in the day. But yeah, I've gotten a little better since then. Um, the, so, but like the start of the year actually rings like vision boards and mm. new goals. And you were talking about like, what is your goal? What do you want to get with your Instagram, right? Yeah. So how does a salon owner actually nail down, say the top three goals? Because there's so many things that you can focus on. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, one of the biggest things that I've really educated on and really like trained myself is narrowing it down and getting clear on what those big things are and not trying to do all the goals. Because I've seen people that are like my 20 lists or my goal of 20 things that I want to do this year. And it's like, yeah, that's all great. But at the end of the day, like, what are your main goals? And so I actually created a workbook for hairstylists to go through this. It would be helpful for salon owners as well. But I have them narrow down. I have them write out all their goals. I get it all out on paper, write down the small things, the big things. But then I say, pick two and pick your top two things and really how are we going to um, orchestrate your year so that you hit those goals? Because that's the biggest thing. If you try to do it all, you're not going to hit any of them. Um, or you'll maybe hit a few small ones. You'll knock them off because they're easy. But if you have a huge, massive, giant, scary goal, put it out there and start working towards it. And then I actually show people how to break it down because it is, it's overwhelming. It's a lot. So yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. It is, it is tough, but I think those stretch goals are kind of nice because mm. It actually pushes you to think about things that you never thought of doing yes. just to get there. And even if you don't get there, it's fine because you know what? Like you've probably grown so much more than you would have mm -hmm. normally have grown. Totally. Yeah. I actually tell people, and this is something that I started doing, something a coach of mine taught me years ago was not just set your base goal, but to set a, a big goal 
a better goal and even like a crazy goal. So I say big, better and ultimate goal um, or big, crazy and ultimate, something like that. But um, so maybe your goal is to, you know, hit six figures or something. Right. But what if you had a bigger goal of $150,000 or an ultimate goal of like something crazy, life changing $200,000. You might not hit that goal, right? You might not hit 200,000, but you're going to work a lot harder versus if you just set the one goal, you're going to work up to that point. You might be getting right around there at the end of the year and you're like, cool. And you start coasting. But what if you pushed yourself to hit the ultimate goal and maybe you landed somewhere around your better goal? It might actually, uh, do a lot better for you. And so um, that's something that somebody taught me and it's been life changing because I've exceeded my goals every single time when I've done that because it's pushed me to go beyond what I could thought I could do. So yeah, yeah. great point. Um, so listen, what's something that you learned from growing your Instagram? You were saying like a thousand something at mm-hmm. the start, now to over 173,000. Right, like right. What's the biggest thing you've learned through that journey? Man, I think this is a question that I get asked all the time. Like, what's the biggest thing you've learned or how did you do it? And it's a journey. And I think that's the biggest thing that you can say is it's a journey and you have to learn along the way. I mean, I started my Instagram in 2014. So it's been a while. It's now 2020. Um, so six years. And so it's been time. It's not like it happened overnight. I didn't go viral. I didn't do some celebrities hair and get famous from that. It just takes time. It takes a journey and you have to be willing to try and experiment different things. There's been so many things that I've tried that didn't work. And then so many things I tried that were like, oh, wow, that works. My audience loves it. Or that got a lot of engagement or that got a lot of followers. And so it just takes time. It's a journey and you just got to go with it and be willing to make mistakes along the way be willing to fail along the way and just experiment and see what works. That's what I would say in the shortness of it. But if we had 10 hours, I could probably tell you a little bit more (laughs) step-by-step how to do it, but we don't have 10 hours today. So, Well, I was going to say like, what are three things you wish you knew after (sighs) school? Yeah. But I feel like you kind of answered that now. (laughs) I mean, I think that one of the biggest things after school is like, Hey, you're never going to have it perfect. You're never going to know everything and being okay with that. I mean, as a salon owner, as a stylist, you never know it all. And the second you start to think that you know it all, that's when you start to fail because there's always so many things you can learn about and work towards and just continue to learn. And I think if you always have that mindset of educating yourself and growing and just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and pushing yourself beyond what you think you can do, that's when you really see growth. And yeah, that's, that's something that I've been really working on is just like continually growing. Well, I'm looking forward to see what's coming for you next in 2020. Thank Thank you you so much for uh, taking the time to be on the show with us. totally. And for anyone wanting to follow you on Instagram, your handle is? Yeah, it's just Jamie Dana Hairstylist. Well, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Talk to you soon. Yeah. So they were our first two uh, keynote speaker interviews wrapped up. It's coming up to lunch now. So myself and Zoe are actually going to pop out, see if we can uh, grab some Vox Pops of clients or attendees to see how they're getting on so far. We're only about midway to, there's still loads of speakers and workshops to come. So we just kind of want to see how they're getting on so far. And then straight after those Vox Pops, I'm going to interview Ken Picton from Wales. Really excited to meet this guy because this guy's like a multi-award winning salon, uh, Ken Picton Salon. He's the winner of British Hairdressing Salon of the Year, twice winner of Salon of the Year by the Fellowship for British Hairdressing, winner of Wales and Southwest Hairdresser of the Year. And it, it just keeps going on. I'm not, I'm not going to recite anymore. But that fellowship one as well, I'm looking forward to talking to him about that because he's now the president of it too. So we're just going to pop out and try and get everyone before they uh, start running for food. 
My name's Kelly Shaw and I'm from Case Bar and we're in Fairham in Hampshire. Day's been great, uh, lots to learn, lots to remember, but super excited about what I'm going to implement when I get back. I think my one of my favourites so far has been Christian's workshop. He's made me sit there and think about what I want more of in my business and actually what I want less of. And to then go away, focus and plan a strategy so that I can get more of what I want and less of what I don't, which seems really simple. But again, I think a big, huge you know, impact in what you can actually do moving forward. I'm Jack from Clay Hair Salon. Uh, so we're in Surrey, so just outside London. And so we just came just to kind of learn a little bit more about Forest, what it can offer you, especially things like the marketing, Instagram, um, just kind of get like a general, yeah. I think, to be honest, personally, the biggest thing I've got is um, how crucial the Instagram is today, how, how crucial like to building your business. I don't personally use it. I know we have one as a salon, but I never, I never go on it. Um, so I've kind of felt like that's something I need to get involved with. My name is Lynn Holmes, I'm from PH7 Hairworks and we're based in Leeds. We've only had Forest in the salon for six months, so still very new to Forest as a system and um, I'd listened to the podcast, I followed the 30 days to grow, definitely first time at the summit. It was just a natural progression really. I think going right back to the first speaker this morning, we need to go away, look at what our notes are, compare it to the presentation slides and make a plan of where we're going to go from here. I'm Florian, I'm from Eckernförde, that's actually in the northern part of Germany. I'm a business owner and working for the company Splinter Friseur Aktuell. This is my first year, we are clients for a year now on Forest and I was really curious about the summit because I know nobody else who is doing this in, the, in this kind of branch. The networking, the possibility to meet other hairdressers from the, from the UK and Australian and to, to get another point of view, that was the point where I said I'm going to, to Dublin. So welcome to the Forest FM podcast, Ken. Now, I will admit, I didn't actually get to see your talk because I was running around other places, but Zoe here beside me did get to see your talk and I've got great feedback on it. So <laughs> I'm just pretty much just going to jump straight in with the questions. Cool. But first off, how, how do you feel afterward? Yeah, was it good? Did it yeah, go well? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, there was a real, um, you know, I had that enviable task of just before lunch. Yeah. So, um, but there was a great vibe in the room, you know, at the end of the day. Loads of salon owners, salon managers, they know, they, they've experienced the same things as I did. So they were keen and eager to um, get out of it, um, you know, the things that I've learned from it and, you know, and help guide them in that sense after 30 years of being in business. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, I'd like to think I've learned a few things along the way. Well, I kind of get the feeling it must have been a high energy talk anyway, because I've just met you like 30 seconds ago and I'm already getting this like massive amount of energy in me a lot of energy in you that's good I like that yeah so. well I think like you say I mean it's, 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 that's our industry isn't it you know we, yeah. I enjoy, we love what we do we're brilliant at what we do you know we love engaging with clients and engaging with you know our teams and you know I think my whole philosophy in a business is about having fun it's yeah. the most important and I think that's really why I've got such long standing staff because we do it all with them I mean I've been super successful 
But the one thing I always do and I think is so important is I share it with them because yeah. it means more, you know. It's all well and good winning an award, but if you don't share it with anybody, it's almost a bit lost. So, you know, so I like to I like to put that energy into what we do on a daily basis. And I can actually, like, I, I can properly believe that because I was looking at your website earlier and there's a photo of you with an award plus f- about 20, 30 other people <laughs> behind you also with awards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, everyone in that photo has an award and everyone's just so happy. So, yeah. It, like it really just goes to show that you you inspire true kind of leadership through your team. I think you know it's, it's, it is the beauty of our industry. I mean, our industry is is a bit special because, like you say, we get to connect with the human spirit on a daily basis. You know, yeah. and that's not just our clients, but it's also the team as well. And I think um, you know, I think that's that's what's the industry has to have changed. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, sal- a lot of salon owners, stroke managers, they think they're the top of the tree, um, which, you know, don't get me wrong, they they are leaders. They have to lead by example. But I think one of the best things about being a salon owner and manager is, is about helping people achieve things that they might not have done if they hadn't come across you. And I think that is really important to the longevity of my business, to be honest. So... I kind of want to jump in with this question. I kind of feel like I can cheekily ask you this now after talking to you. But uh, on the website, you mentioned you're the official salon partner to the Cardiff Devils and Cardiff City Football Club. How did you harass these guys to be the the official partner? How did you, what, what was your trick here? What was your play? Uh, they all wanted a good haircut. That was the key. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan. They're local to my businesses as well. You know, I'm based in Cardiff Bay. Devils is literally down the road from me. That's the ice hockey team. That's the ice it? hockey yeah, yeah. team, yeah. So, um, and yeah, it was just something that just evolved really. Um, we kind of started working with those uh, both, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan myself and, a, um, you know, season ticket in the both places, take all my, i got five kids, so I take them with me everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it just evolved as, as they started, you know, they, we were the local business, they started coming in and then we kind of become the official ones and yeah. Okay, so you've got the partnerships down with the Cardiff Devils, Cardiff City FC, I think I saw there was another one on your website, but your salon also does a lot of work with um, Casualty, Doctor Who, Gavin and Stacey, which yeah. I love. Yeah, yeah. These for anyone outside of Ireland and the UK, <laughs> these are three like really big UK British TV shows. And you're the stylist of the stars. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, I think like you say, we because we're, we're, you know, we got forty five staff. We're um, you know highly reputable in within our area and South or Cardiff specific has got a real huge um, network of film production. Yeah. So uh, we tend to work a lot with either the production companies or actually live on stage on on TV as well. So we're always the celebrity hairdresser that does things on the Welsh TV, obviously for my team that speak Welsh. So naturally what happens is we kind of evolve to becoming part of their 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 team really Gavin and Stacey for instance Ruth Jones has been a client for 20 odd years. Yeah. So uh yeah, so we see Nessa quite often for instance for that kind of thing so it's just something She's that we just completely different person <laughs> yeah 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 so um yeah and you know subsequently met james gordon and done hair for those guys and obviously casualty is normal casualty is actually filmed in a film studio literally you know less than half a mile away from the salon wow so yeah. we tend to do all the maintenance of them obviously they've got their own team to film with but we do all the maintenance of the haircuts and stuff like that so it kind of happened organically nearly yeah 100 percent. it was just um you know we were the salon of in you know in south wales yeah. and, you know and therefore 
they naturally came to us. Plus, we contribute a lot to the TV yeah. with regards to, you know, the, you know, when the radio is a big Welsh network and stuff like that as well. So would, working with kind of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call them partnerships for now, just to kind of like summarise like the TV shows, the sports clubs. Would that take a lot of weight of your time from, I suppose, your day to day and then kind of these guys need to look good because they're going to a game day or they're going to be on a cover shoot or like, does that weigh up much? And is it all done in salon or do you have to leave salon to do this? Yeah, it's, it's normally a bit of both. What Our part of it is normally done in salon. Yeah. Um, and we've done various different things. Like, so for instance, you know, when the Devils have got to the Challenge Cup final, for instance, we, what we've done instead is we've done a day with them all and we've groomed them all ready to go, you know, to the final. So some it, it, it flicks about. But really... The, our, our official partnership with them and connection with them is they, they're basically clients. Yeah. What we, you know, we treat them just like any other client. You know, um, they book in as per normal. They just have uh, some form of preferential treatment in the sense of money, probably. You yeah, know? Yeah. So, but you know, it's we become friends with them as well. So, you know, it's great. And obviously, we do a lot of the. Um, you know, the, the players' wives. That's an, an additional part of our association with them. Um, so it works perfectly, really. Works, you know, works great. No, that's great because it is good to see that Salon, like yourself, is getting involved in these other areas, the yeah. other territories, but not where they're constantly recruiting you to fly you out to go and work in their studios. They're actually coming to your yeah. Salon, which is, again, using that word kind of partnership. It's just, yeah. it's a great for the business and great for the community. And I think like it's, it's something that other salons and other businesses in general should try and get their foot in yeah. at doing. I think, like you say, for me, that's a localised thing. And, and what, what works well is my team get involved in all of that. It's not yeah. just about me. You know, I travel all around the world. I do shows. You know, I mean, I've literally, you know, last month come back from China. I was there for 36 hours and I did a, a show to uh, 10,000 people. So, so you it know, takes you nearly twenty four to get over there. Exactly, <laughs> it was tw- it was literally thirty six each way, yeah. and thirty six there. But oh, that's how it works. <laughs> so yeah, my travelling and my team's travelling. A lot of my team travel and do shows. I mean, I got uh, so far my team this year. I go into, um, I got two going to India twice. I got Copenhagen. I got Ukraine. So the team are well travelled as well because in their own right, which is what's great. So that comes back to your leadership someone has approached you looking for someone instead of sending yourself out you've actually picked people from your team that you can trust to go and do that 100% yeah that's that's um it's an even bigger thing that I've been doing lately you yeah. know for instance because also um since April of this year uh, April of 19 2019 I've become the president for the fellowship for British hairdressing yeah so that's really eating into a lot of my time it's like uh, you know it's regarded as one of the most creative in uh, bodies within the industry and it's a it's, it's known globally uh, we have international members from all over the world so it's quite a prestigious honor to be the face or you know um and the person steering the ship so that is that has actually created even more experiences for my team because i made a conscious decision that when a job comes in now and even if it's a request for me mm. i push it straight to my team because they you know they're amazing at doing it in fact Actually, now I'm looking at some of my team and thinking they're doing a better job than me. So, <laughs> you know, and the pull them back. <laughs> but ultimately, they, you know, they're they're promoting my brand as well. So I can't yeah. I can't fault that. So, but 
that means it's going to be great for you hiring people because your salon is going to look so much more attractive knowing that you're going to get these gigs by working with you. Yeah, I think you've got an interesting point because, you know, I also do a lot of business seminars and I travel around the world. And the, the, the big magic question that I get asked all the time is, you know, how do you get the best staff? Um, and you've got a point in exactly that, you know, if you can show to the industry as a whole that you give opportunity to your team yeah. above and beyond the opportunities you take as a salon owner, you will naturally attract the best people. Um, and that's why I have an open recruitment policy now. I don't wait for the space. If someone comes in who's great, they will get a job with me, and that's as simple as that. And I'll find customers for them. I mean, you know, we're a salon that does like 500 clients a week, so, you know, it's easy for us to bring new people in, especially if they have talent. Yeah. But I'd imagine you'd ha- had to have gotten there. Like you've done your graft to be able to get to that oh, stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Cool. Yeah. So I'm just going to finish it off with one last thing. And you already kind of touched off it. You're with the fellowship. You've been with the fellowship for over 20 years, but you've only actually just recently been made the president. So right. I suppose to end this segment on you, yeah. how did that feel? Like uh, that must have been incredible. Yeah, it was a great honor. Um, you know, the, the, the fellowship is over 70 years old. Uh, it was born around it being the the, the most creative uh, hairdressers all gathering together for the for the benefit of the industry, for want of a better word. So for twenty over twenty years, twenty five years, I've actually been on the other side. So I was always the one who would do the shows, go on stage, do all of that kind of stuff. So the last few years, I've kind of moved into a little bit more of um, the the management as well as the, the you know the the direction of the, the admin uh, yeah well <laughs> more the direction is more than anything yeah. so um, yeah I I, um, I I yeah I kind of I was I became the chancellor for two years which was amazing because I was all about working with all the youngsters in the industry and all the young awards and projects so it became a bit of a natural evolution but I was really honoured to become the president of, you know of what is regarded as the most creative body you know, in British hairdressing. So, yeah, it is a great honour. That's incredible and congratulations. <laughs> but um, for now, thank you so much for joining us. And again, just off of uh, Zoe's feedback, I believe it was a great talk. I can't wait to listen to it later. <laughs> but just again, watching your energy in the buzz, I'd imagine it was a very high octane. So Fingers crossed. Yeah. It, got a, it got a point across. <laughs> but thanks so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Loads of energy there. Um, so what has been going on today since that? You know, there, there's been loads of talks, obviously, main stage, but there's also been a lot of workshops. There's a, a workshop done by Christian Tognini, another one um, that was presented by Phil Jackson, and a last one by Ryan Power. And everybody's just rotating through all three of them. So everybody actually gets to see and uh, do those workshops today, which is really, really cool. And another addition to this year's Salon Owner Summit was actually something called the Growth And Killian, you were a part of that with Forest Academy, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I think like the workshops is a great addition because everyone gets to move around, go to different rooms. But the Growth Hub, brand new this year, and everyone seemed to love the idea because as you leave the main stage where the keynote speakers are, you actually come through this Grow Hub and... As a client of Forest, you have your own, I suppose, grow advisor, which is someone from our grow department that can help you, I suppose, ensure that you're utilizing your product to its best potential or its fullest potential. So it's an opportunity for all our attendees today to meet with their advisor, have a chat and put a plan in place as well. And we also had a stand from the support team and we had a stand from the education team. So the support team was just to help iron out any, I suppose, kinks that you're experiencing with the product, 
Um, just as a side note, they didn't seem very busy, which is a good sign. But then for the education stand, we were showcasing the brand new Forest Academy in the product. And everyone here actually gets the beta version of that. A lot of excitement around that because it kind of allows you to get your new staff trained up real quick. And then finally, we had the product team. They had a stand for each of the new areas like the staff rosters. They had the Salon branded app. Um, can't think of any more off the top of my head, but they I had mean, like four of them. Yeah, and I was like, I was actually chatting to Paddy Monaghan while some people were beta testing some new features and screens for the email editor because we're, you know, looking into building out more screens around the email editor as well. So yeah, it was pretty cool, uh, pretty cool setup. I enjoyed that. Yeah, and the room was full. Yeah. Like did not expect it would take off like that. Um each table had a crowd of people. So yeah, like it was definitely utilized. It's going to be even, it has to be even bigger and better next year. I mean, like the room was so busy and everyone, even when we were just out talking to people, when we were doing our Fox Pops, we were actually in that growth hub and everyone was really excited. They were actually looking for their advisors and we were just grabbing them in between. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and if they weren't, uh, you know, sure about what was going on, they were intrigued by the mic setup. So, you know, we could just grab them for the Vox Buffs there too. Do you know what's really funny? Good. Do you remember doing this, what, three years ago and we had to like persuade people yes. to come and give testimonials? I do. Now people <laughs> are coming up to us going, yeah, I'd love to give a case study. I'd love to uh, give my two cents about today. You know, you know what? Like that's like that's like everything in life. Um, Jamie Dana was telling about it with the, the Instagram. Some things just take time to build out. Dare um, I say it? The flywheel. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what happened with the, with the podcast as well. So, guys, whatever you're trying to do this year, just don't give up that easy. Sometimes thing can take six months, a year, two years. You never know. But in our know, case, four years. Yeah, in our case, four years, right? Uh, but honestly, sometimes if if you're really confident in uh, your product or your idea or you're just really passionate about it, just pursue it, you know, because yep. you never know. Um, but yeah, so next up on the show, we're going to play some snippets from the main stage talk uh, of Millie Kendall MBE. And then we're going to jump straight into closing remarks. This year, we're going to do it with Shauna, um, who uh, we had on the show recently talking about PR and the difference between PR and marketing it was a really good episode. If you haven't tuned in to that one, it was part of season three. And so, yeah, let's uh, just play some snippets right now and we'll be right back with you after. Oxford Economics proved that our industry is worth almost £30 billion in contribution to Britain's GDP. Um, and we generated £27.2 billion in sales across services and products in 2018. Remarkably, the beauty industry has never been defined. I really believe our industry needs a makeover and a shift in our thinking, I think, will attract new business. A long-term sustainable approach is how we should be working, is how we should manage our workforce, our product intake, our output, and what we have to say to our customers and clients. And that's pretty much a wrap of this year's Salon Owner Summit 2020. However, as Zoe already mentioned, we're doing a little bit of a twist. We usually end it with Ronan, but Ronan was just swarmed with people the minute he came off the stage. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a queue of people waiting for Ronan. So you know what, Shauna, you did an excellent job of the Q&A with Christoph. And we just thought it'd be perfect to bring you back in. Yeah, and also, it's your first real summit this year. How did you find your experience? It's my first real one, yeah. And I think I think Ronan's busy getting the after party started, personally. But <laughs> um, it's been an amazing day. It's honestly been such... Uh, it's been an inspiration because 
of the amazing speakers that we've had, but also being able to get like, you know, 500 clients in a room and hear from them about what what they're looking forward to in 2020 has been really inspiring as well. So, you know, obviously we've had amazing content on the stage. Uh, we've had great energy in the room and I feel like everybody's ready to rock into the new year with some smashing ideas now. So yeah, I'm pumped. So yeah, this is actually our third year in the convention centre doing the Salon Owners Summit. Uh, obviously, we've just mentioned this is your first, probably the year with the most speakers and most engagement, like we were mentioning on the show just earlier about the Growth Hub, which was a new addition. What were your key takeaways of today's talks? Yeah, it's been an absolutely great day. And I suppose there's been loads of speakers, but the great thing is that they're all from completely different backgrounds. So the content has been really diverse and there's something different to take away from every um, every speaker here today. I feel like it's going to take me a week to properly let it all sink in. But uh, off the top of my head, some of the most interesting things have been listening to people's personal experiences and taking their sort of their takeaways as to how they reached a particular point of success in their lives. So Marcus Allen, who kicked off the day, I thought he had some really interesting insights in terms of planning out your calendar and actually giving yourself proper time and how the best leaders in in all kinds of business, but in salon business as well, really give themselves time to plan and strategize. And they're not constantly working in the business. They're also taking time out to work on the business. And I think that's something that we, that applies to all of us. I'll definitely be trying to implement that into my life as well. Um, Ken Picton, who was here from the fellowship, I felt like he has an amazing growth story and everything that he had to say about investing in the people that you have on your team is definitely something that I think people will take away today because I know recruitment is such a challenge. Um, so I think that's a very interesting point. Um, obviously, I loved the Q&A that I did with Christoph at the end of the day. Christoph is just an icon of the industry. He's so humble. Like we didn't even get to touch on half of the level of success that he's reached, the number of celebrities who he looks after. Um, and what I love most about him is that he's massively successful, but he is so authentic and so humble. And everything that he does is because he really believes in it. And it's not because he's trying to actually make a lot of money or make a big name for himself. It's because he's trying to do the right thing. And he, and he, he does it extremely well um, and I think it's very powerful to know that you can be true to yourself and build an amazing brand at the same time and I think I saw a lot of salon owners afterwards who said that that's something they're going to take away staying true to themselves but being successful and profitable at the same time which is really the dream we all want that right yeah I didn't catch that Q&A I only kind of caught near the end of it but am I right in saying that he's now looking forward to moving into uh, an agricultural sort of role which just goes to show that like humbleness, isn't it? Yeah, well, he started off, he comes from a farming family in, in France. He comes from rural France. Um, and, and even though it seems like a far cry from doing Kylie Minogue's hair colour, actually his, his whole brand of hair care products was built on sort of using natural ingredients and oils to replenish the hair. And there's a, great, there's a real sort of, there's almost like an agricultural ethos that seems to weave through everything that he does. But yes, he sold his brand last year very successfully. And uh, I was going to say lucky him, but he's worked extremely hard to be that lucky. Now he's looking at uh, opening a hotel in Tahiti and uh, doing some agriculture out there so yes yeah, so they're kind of maybe a bit more glamorous than, than the farm life that he grew up on but definitely getting back to his roots what i thought was really refreshing about the speakers this year is even though there was a lot of speakers you're looking at these guys and they're like they're super they're, they've like absolutely nailed their career and they're giving advice of how everyone else can take those steps to really pursue and really grow that business 
And sometimes when you're at conferences, listening to so many people giving you advice and telling you what to do, it can almost be overwhelming. And I thought it was refreshing having Pamela Laird in nearly at the start. And I know you're going to touch off a bit about a link between Pamela and a speaker we had last year. But it was so refreshing because listening to her, she was saying, it's okay to not have every, not have your grasp on everything. It's okay to fail and hit these roadblocks, which I think would pro- almost like a mind cleanse for everyone here today. It's like taking them back a step from, I need to be doing this, I need to be doing that. Oh my God, I'm not doing that, I'm way off, to actually, it's okay, just breathe, stop, listen, develop. Yeah, I thought she had a really stoic attitude, you know, taking, she, I remember something she said in her talk was, you know, it's okay to make mistakes, it's just how you bounce back from them. And that's exactly what Ryan Holiday was touching off last year. And and, and I just think it's something that we can all do. Like I was reading his book actually this year on um, stillness is the key, but I also read The Obstacle is the Way. And you know when she said, uh, you know, the first, the, 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 the cotton bud that, you know, it wasn't... It was the, caught by the seahorse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Picture. And, and then her second product that she's really like built mm-hmm. uh the, the the face wipes and all of that she got that idea from the fine print of the eu which was you know looking at 2025 so i just think that's brilliant and i think that's something salon owners can all embrace a lot more and you know i actually think that type of mindset is typical of a salon owner if you ever i think you guys are talking about commonalities that we see amongst all the speakers and i think one of the commonalities that i always see about the most inspiring people in this industry is that they have overcome such challenges normally. Like even Ken Picton, his salon in Cardiff is out of this world. I mean, it's huge. It literally has every sort of service available. It has a bar and a restaurant in it. It's it's like a whole lifestyle experience. But he got up on stage there today and he talked about how he borrowed the first thousand pounds off his mum and then he went to a bank and he told the bank that he'd saved a thousand pounds so he could borrow three thousand pounds and then he took that three thousand pounds to a different bank and borrowed another seven thousand you know to, to have you have to have a pretty stoic mindset to be able to keep on plowing on and and it comes down to passion for what you want to achieve or the industry or what you believe in and that is something that salon owners all share and that's what I love about a day like today because that's there's, there's not that much that separates somebody from sitting in the audience to being the likes of Christoph or, or Ken. They, have, they share such common values. It's really nice for them to be able to maybe have an inspiring person to look up to and go, yes, I can actually achieve that as well because we're the same. And it was really evident today that people, are, they're just dying to grow their business because we introduced a growth hub this year, which is brand new. So you've experienced it for the first time. We've all experienced it for the first time, actually. But for you, you wouldn't have seen it before. I could not believe how the grow room is basically everyone has their own forest grow advisor who helps ensure that they're really utilizing their product and availing of all the features to help them get the most out of it. It was packed today. Like when you think that this event is all about learning more about your business, to be able to put product specific stands out there and see it so packed was great because people are dying to know they have this huge product and they're just dying to know how to get the most out of it. I, I thought it was a really good vibe in in there today. Yeah, same. So if we're looking at uh, future plans, what uh, can you, I don't know, imagine being the next step for the Salon Owner Summit 2021? Oh, interesting question. Um, I, I think that if 
our speakers have shown us anything today, it's that anything is possible. So I wouldn't like to put any limits on what we can achieve and what we can do. We've seen amazing growth. I mean, we've seen bigger numbers year on year. And this year, we even added an additional conference, a tech conference inside Forest, which we held yesterday. And again, we had we had another 150, 160 people attending that. So the appetite is really big. Um, we know people are hungry to find out more about the product, to be inspired. And I would like to say that... We might have some surprises in store next year, but I certainly wouldn't be putting on any limits on what it might be just yet. I think that's pretty much a, a good enough way to synopse basically the last two days, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So on this note, why don't we go and join the fun at the legendary after party as Ryan Power branded it? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. So guys, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. This is our first episode of season four. Uh, we'll be back next week with a live recording that we did at Inside Forest, actually. So um, yeah, uh, hopefully you tune in for that one. And as always, if you have any suggestions or uh, you know feedback on the show or yeah anyone that you want to recommend or love to hear on the show, please let us know or send us an email at forcedfm at forced.com. Otherwise, you can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show. See you next week. Have a great one. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.